Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And today we have a special guest. We are joined by Aram Varti and the GM and creator of the God's Fall Actual Play podcast. And today we're going to be talking about world building specifically what is the origin story of your world how was it created who created it did anybody create it we have a lot of great stuff coming up in this episode we hope that you stick around and listen to all of this goodness but before we get into the meat we have some five star reviews to read the first one comes from young cbw it is entitled great tools for dms five stars Thank you for having an entertaining DM-centric podcast. I both play and DM in WotC organized play, so some of the stuff I can't use, but I have picked up some good ideas on how to better flesh out the game. So thank you so much, Young CBW. We appreciate that review. Our next one comes from DM Northseeker, and it's entitled, As If I Saw You Coming Across a Field of <laughs> Flowers. This is great. Uh, I'm currently doing a campaign, one of my firsts, mind you that takes place in an alternate reality of Ravnica from Magic the Gathering, and was riding the yes. struggle bus almost the whole time trying to get it going. I was noticing my players were getting into it less and less and was worried that my first DM experience was going to be a failure. And then I found this podcast, and I knew that it was <laughs> meant to be. It's as if I saw Mitch and Chris and the rest of the crew across a field of flowers, and we slow motion ran towards each other as Nat 20s rain from the sky. <laughs> I have so many new ideas for my group on how to and how to improve all aspects of my game. I can't wait to share my ideas on the forums to give back for all the information that I have gained from this stellar podcast. So thank you so much, DM Northseeker, for <laughs> thank that, you uh, so much. that great entertaining review yeah. that we just read. The only problem is that if D20s actually rained from the sky, it would hurt a lot. <laughs> that would hurt. I would never a drive. <laughs> I love my car too much to drive outside with D20s <laughs> scratching it up. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Northseeker. That's fantastic. But with that, we are going to dive into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carving that! Fist a mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! So this week for the meet, we are joined by Aram Vartian, the GM and creator of the God's Fall Actual Play podcast. So say hello to our Block Party fans, uh, Aram. Hello. We are so glad that you yes. are here. I know some of our, our listeners have wanted this episode for quite a while, a while and we're coming. making it happen for them now. We've known you for quite a while since the very beginning. You helped with, uh, actually, you didn't really help. You just kind of said, hey, I created a logo for you guys to yeah. use for a while. Yeah. And so oh, I forgot about that. That, that was a while. Our first t-shirt logos, the like vintage ones, are made by the creator of God's Fall. So there you go. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. That was like fall of 2014. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Already. Well, you guys were the first podcast I really listened to that had editing and production where I recognized that there was some value to be had yeah, for thanks. it, that people would reward the effort. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what got me to launch God's Fall in the first place. There's some nice full circle. Yeah, yeah there we go. Full there we go. I like it. Which is so funny, too, because 
I mean, we, we know you've been listening since the beginning, and yeah. I have to say that I go back now and listen to those first episodes, and I'm like, good editing. My goodness. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what Aram was talking about, but, but we appreciate well, there it was editing. <laughs> yeah, there was editing. It, it existed. We were giving you know? it the old college tries. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, when you learn the same way I do, I go back and listen to the first episodes yeah. of God's Fault, and I'm like, oh, why <laughs> did I use that voice? Yep. And you know, you know, you 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 learn. You learn as you go on. That is one of the best things about it is the process. And then if you're not looking back with a kind of a little bit of like, oh my goodness, then you really haven't grown. Yeah. So just keep on right. going. Every with the year, flow if and, you're not embarrassed, yes, <laughs> you're not. You're you are not doing it right. You know, you should be embarrassed every year. These people who are like, I have created this. It's the finest yes. thing ever, and I shall stand upon this hill for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't understand that yeah. at all. Well, they have you like know? four listeners, so, you know. Yeah. Well, I know, well, your, I thought, your thing that's is... what I thought we were going to have. If you listen to our first episode, I'm like, so for the three of you, that might oh, be Oh, I remember. We did know? the same exact thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. to my girlfriend, who's now yeah. my wife, and, <laughs> and anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so let's get this interview started. We kind of want to get to know a little bit about you. So with that being stated, our first question to you, Aram, is just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'm a high school dropout who was kicked out of the Navy for being too gay, <laughs> who taught myself web design and graphic design, and after kind of traveling around the country for a while, not really having any direction, at 25 years old, I panicked, right? And I was like, I need something, mm -hmm. I need a career. <laughs> so I taught myself web design, which got me into a, a newspaper here in DC. There I was able to learn graphic and print design, I argued for a video department where I was told, okay, here's a camera, go learn. So I taught myself video and editing. That got me to hold a DSLR, which taught myself photography. So basically I learned this pool of skills that led me to be able to do everything I do now in God's fault. Everything from the recording to the editing to the marketing to the production, everything, including the maps even. You yeah. know, people ask me all the time, how do you make your maps? I'm like, I don't know, be a graphic designer for, for 14 years. There's no shortcut. There's, there's no three-step process and you have... You no, know. there really isn't. You'll pick Sadly. up the skills that you need just over time by doing it. So Yeah, just do it. I mean, that's what I tell everyone. Like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Like, well, I can tell you the gear and I can help you shortcut some of the things you may fumble technically. But the rest of it, I can't teach you pacing. I can't teach you an ear. You have to just do it and hear yourself and hear your mistakes and recognize them. That's just experience. So that's great. So you've been running this podcast or God's Fall podcast for a year and a half now ish. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, about a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about that, how it got started and, and what you you most love about doing God's Fall. Well, I'm going to answer your things in reverse. I would say <laughs> the thing that I most love about doing God's Fall is the reward from the people who listen. I mean, what we get, we're in kind of a unique uh, position because we get a lot of women and we get a lot of people from the LGBT community who who see us as a safe space and and people have reacted very strongly to that I get letters from people who say I played an out character for the first time or I'm a woman I never joined a D&D &D game because I always felt like I would be excluded but now I found this group of friends and I'm as happy as can be and I'm just in 
tears, like buckets of tears. Whenever we, when we do a convention this year, the first person who walks up and tells me one of these stories in person, I'll just be like, thank you for validating me, you know, and tears on the floor. So that's been an amazing process. And besides just the, you know, reward of creation and the reward of being able to do all these cool things with it, I would say that one-on-one -on -one thing is one of the finest things I've ever experienced in my life. As far as how, I, how, how it got started, it was, uh, I got back into D&D uh, because of the 5e rules. I think I was one of many people who kind of passed over 4e. I'm not judging it. Anyone who has fun, have fun. Sure. It just wasn't for me, right? But 5e brought me back in, and there are so many podcasts out there that I got sucked in through the podcast. It was a great way to learn the rules, and it was a really interesting way to kind of get back into the game. So, Aram, keeping in mind that this episode will air in about two months, is there anything you are currently working on right now that maybe is, in this past moment, is now happening in the world today? Why, thank you for asking. <laughs> yes, uh, if this is going to air in two months, we will have launched our Kickstarter. We're launching a Kickstarter May 1st for our world book. Because people, honestly, God, I had no plans on making anything <laughs> like this, but people have been begging me for a full, expansive world book so they can play in the God's Fall world with us. So we are making a 200-page, full-color, printed, edge-to-edge -edge with four original artists world book of all of our rules, all of our custom settings, all of our maps are just going to be placed in one giant book, like those old Faerun books and everything, those yeah. giant, meaty world books yep. that D&D used to do that I really hope that they do. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, yeah, I remember yeah. those. And we're going to make one. And the book is going to probably launch right at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. But if you want information on that, you can go to godsfall.com slash WB, and I'll put a bunch of updated info about the world book there. I'm pretty excited about it. Isn't it cool, though? Like, I've I've heard you on other podcasts talking about podcasting. We've said before, like, you know, we didn't expect, and you literally just, just said this, but, like, we didn't expect for the audience to grow as much as it did for our own podcasts. Or to be so involved, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 same thing. But, like, I know that Chris and I have said, you know, we would probably still be doing this even if it was, like, 20 people who listened just because we like yes. to do it that being said yep. like with the audience that both of our podcasts have accumulated like and the responses that you get from the listeners it really encourages you to not just keep doing what you're doing but to keep getting better and to keep being more creative and do more and like that's just yes. one of the best parts that's you guys the listeners that's like you guys are the best part to doing these podcasts. I know Aram, you would Hands you would down. say the same exact thing. So they have yeah. been unbelievably supportive and that's been amazing. And really, I mean, you do, you really want to make them happy. Yeah. When, especially when they're super into it. So we know that you obviously love role playing games, but how did you get started into the whole world of role playing games? I had a babysitter. I, I was young because my brother was so young. Uh, he was two years younger than me. I must have been eight or nine and my brother's like six or seven, right? And Lowell, that uh, was the baby, said, or just wanted to occupy us, and he was a geek. And he played D&D, &D, and he brought it over. And I remember just instantly 
being so into it. And to the point where I borrowed the books from him because he was coming over the next day to babysit as well. And by the time he got back, I had rolled up a wizard and a thief and I had like a whole party. And he was not ready for, for me. And I was just like, I was more into it by day two than he was just walking in the front door. <laughs> and I think I realized instantly that I wanted to DM at that point because I wanted the sure. whole party and I wanted to know all the rules and I wanted to do this and I wanted to, to I, so I was hooked instantly. And that was like 30 something years ago. So I've been into it for a while. For a long time, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally the most time I've ever spent doing anything besides breathing, <laughs> sleeping and eating. <laughs> there you Can go. Can I tell you something weird about myself, Aram? So when people tell me childhood stories, especially like using the term babysitter, because of course, how old were you in this story? Like I was like eight yeah, or nine. But of yeah. course you say babysitter and I think of baby Aram. But I do this thing when I picture right. like picture childhood <laughs> stories with any of like my friends or anybody who's telling me and it's their head on the body of like a little yeah, child. Yeah, I do the same thing. Oh, so sure. you, Absolutely. It's best when people have facial hair like you. So I just picture right, totally. like your babysitter this coming This amount in. of hair was yeah. pretty much <laughs> yeah. the same, but this was probably a little different. So I just picture you like you sitting there at the table, baby Aram right. with the head of adult Aram just waiting for his with babysitter to come in. With glasses and a beard. Yeah, DM screen just being like, welcome to God's fall. <laughs> welcome to God's fall. Rattle, rattle, rattle. Every, yeah, everybody right. that's listening thinks I'm very weird but i'm okay with it because now they're going to start doing that so. <laughs> you have all of the people around the table doing your intro song with pots and pans and rattles and stuff <laughs> so we have one last question for you this is a question you had no idea you have no idea what we're going to ask you right now because this is a surprise question yeah. i'm ready for everything Good. it's like jeopardy Good. this question comes from one of our <laughs> patreon members a silver dragon named blake ryan and he asks you are in a DD fantasy world what classic or current well-known adventure would you want to take part in Temple of Elemental Evil, Keep of the Shadow no. Bell, Curse of Strahd. No, I don't want to die. Me? Like, me. None of these sound good. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know what he's with. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, princesses and ponies. I'm like a ponies, third like, level <laughs> dude with a bad back. What do I want to do? Oh, you mean, like, oh. Lost Minds of Fendelver, where you can make no. it through? No. <laughs> oh, I'd die. No. Yeah, pretty much you have to ask yourself, is there any adventure right now that you can survive? I know. I'm trying to think. Is there one where it's, like, you know... Like, like it's all bunny. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> if it is, I'm not aware of it. If there is, I want to be aware of it. I really want to. I guess we could adventure. reword it and say, which one would you rather die in? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know what? Then Castle Amber. There is a classic, classic D&D adventure called Castle Amber, which is just wacky. It starts out where your party goes to sleep on a hill and wakes up surrounded by mist and they're at the foot of this castle and it's and like there's ghosts in it and they're reliving their old lives but then it ends up transporting you to another dimension and a giant is attacking a castle in this other world it's wacky and gets wackier and wackier i would and it's one of my favorite adventures of all time i have reworked it into pretty much everything i've ever done and update it for whatever system since. So I'd want to be in that one. Mainly because I know it like the back yeah. of my hand. It's like you get past everything. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. So you, you might die, but you'll have a good time doing it at the very least. I'll have a good, I'll have a decent <laughs> run because I know where to get certain yes. things so I can start there, you know. Who are, who are we kidding? You'd probably be the guy that's like, oh, I read about this giant. I'm just going to stand here and point at him because this is so cool. <laughs> right, exactly. As long as you have the classic party, like you could be the quote unquote wizard with divination magic. Oh, I know what's coming, guys. Like, oh, right. Yeah, I'm going to exactly. be back here behind these crates <laughs> yeah. you go on good luck guys yeah there's a giant coming in three 
two, <laughs> one. See, told you I got it. Exactly. <laughs> So let's get into uh, the topic of this episode. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about world building, which is something that we we knew, Aram, you love to do. So we wanted you to come on and talk with us about ideas for world building and to give our listeners ideas for world building. Specifically today, we are going to be talking about the creation of the world. And when we say the world, we mean the world that you, the listener, are building we want to talk to, to you about ideas for what can be the lore, the myth, the truth behind how was your world created. So what we're going to do is we're going to give basically you options. And these are we've pretty much given as, as many options as we can think of of how a world is created. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about ideas from each and every one of these We're going to talk about where our separate worlds fall into with these categories. They might all be the same. I kind of think they are from this point, but we'll we'll find out. (laughs) But we're going to give you a lot of ideas, and hopefully this is going to get you, the listener, motivated to go, how was my world created, if you haven't already done that? And even if you have already done that, maybe maybe you're going to get more ideas of how to expand upon that. So, So let's get into it. So the first way that we want to talk about that a world can be created is that there's one God and they create the world. So this, this would be monotheism. There's obviously real world religions that you can draw inspiration from, from this Judaic, Christian, Islamic creation accounts, the book of Genesis, the first chapter is a great place to look. And especially like the poetic way that it's written has some really great things to pull from inspiration wise to go, okay, this is one God that has created the world. How does he do it? Can you guys think of any fantasy worlds that are along those lines? Oh, are there any? Fa- I mean, I guess in Game of Thrones, there's this whole one one true God, the fire witch keeps talking about, right? Yeah. Yep. But I'm trying to think of, like, no, Wheel of Time, it's multiple gods. Yep. I mean, it's always multiple gods. It'd be really interesting, actually, if there... I, I'm just trying to think of a major fantasy where it's only one god, one true god. I'm yeah. sure there is, uh, but honestly, this is the one that I don't... There like, must be. It's always like, when I think of fantasy worlds, I think of there's there's this number of gods that works in the world together, yeah. or or it's some other yeah. for, format that they the world has created. There's not a lot of fantasy worlds that I, I can't think of any off the top of my god. head, that it's one one god creates... The world. I mean, even if it's like one god and then like a bunch of like demigods yeah. or angels underneath them, there's always layers yes. before the god, and you need it because if you're telling a long arc story, there's only one god. There's really just a, it just ends. There's like the fine. There's a very, it's a very final point. Also, when you're trying to play a god, when you're trying to play the perspective of a god, it's far far easier if they're limited by their portfolios. Yeah. Because playing a yeah. god is hard enough. It is, yes. But if you're playing the god of war, I mean, you know, because you can't be omnipotent. So if you're playing the god of war, at least you're focused in one area. And if you're just playing god, no one can do that. Well, and it kind of, when you break it down to you are the god of war, like immediately, each person that thinks god of war, you're going to have personality that you're going to be thinking of. Oh, this guy could be very aggressive. Sure. Like you think of a sure. god who is a god of peace. Obviously, personality is coming right into the picture of how's that god going to react. But then, yeah, you're you're right. But I find that I find that interesting. And maybe if you're out there and you haven't created a world, like this is this is something that hasn't been done a lot. So maybe yeah. you want to latch onto that and create a world. I think the only one that I can 
think of, and I could be completely wrong, but I think Narnia was created simply by oh, Aslan. I yeah, think that's no. about the only one that I can think of. It's got such a strong Christian bent. That would make absolute sense that there's a single a crater in Narnia. Yeah. Not a lot of people have read that first book, The Magician's Nephew, but that does have a very, very poetic creation account of the world of Narnia. I, I believe, if totally. I remember from my childhood, I believe Aslan basically walks through this like void world and he just breathes yes. and like trees sprout up and creatures sprout up. And I mean that like maybe you'll never play in your campaign with the moment of the dawn of creation. Maybe you'll never do that, sure. but it is really cool if you can have people in your world telling the account of how the world was made and, yes. and the imagery in that, in, in that with that Chris. Yeah. I think, I think that would be a good example if we can, think of any of a world that's fantasy that is a, a a monotheistic creation with aslan going through and breathing upon this void earth and bringing to life this world so and it's not a tough read either i mean no, you could no, probably read the book in like two hours if you wanted to so yeah. if you want inspiration of how that could be done that would be a good way to a good place to go and start for you absolutely I think another way that we can think of the world being created is the idea of one God who creates the world. And then mm -hmm. for whatever reason, like if he sends a beacon out into other planes or whatever, other gods become a part of the world. And maybe this first God just simply created the world, just the physical structure of it. But then the other gods come in and they're like, oh, I'm the God of nature. Like I'm going to create trees or something like that. Maybe the first God was just the God of earth or something or of land that creates just this blob in the middle of space somewhere and at yeah. that point it's like i'm i'm done like i can't do anything else i've i've done my i've done my part yeah uh and he goes and creates another place where they can hang out and be a part of a pantheon or whatever and he just waits they just wait i i think with this one what i think of is i like the idea of there being one god who is the visionary we, yeah. And we don't we don't even need to know. And you can, if you want, come up with what was what were the gods up to before the world that you have as a homebrew? What were they up to before? Did they have other worlds? Whatever. Sure. That's 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 really interesting. You get into that. That being said, we don't need to know. There could be one God that it was his vision to create a world. And so he he did. But once that world was created, he went to the other gods and said, come I have a place for us, brought them in and said, you will be the God. Cause maybe, maybe this God is a, is a leader amongst the gods. Maybe he's the head of the pantheon. And he says here, this, this land is for you or this area of this world. You are now the God, like you said, of the forest, or you are the God of the sea. Maybe, maybe he's, he's a God that creates the gods, the other gods out of the earth itself. But yeah, there's, there's many, yeah. many ways you can take that one God creates many gods come afterwards vision. Faerun works like that because there's Eo who is the God of all gods. And then all the other gods come after us and, and Eo or Io have, however it's pronounced basically just creates the universe, creates the gods and then checks out. We never hear mm -hmm. from him again. So I've seen that as, as uh, well, the, the reason I did mine with multiple gods is that I wanted to, uh, I've always found that, you know, people are like, oh, well, God created the world in seven days. Well, that's interesting, but isn't it a lot more interesting to say billions of years ago, God put his finger on a point of nothingness, right? Knowing 
that everything that expanded out after that would happen exactly in the way that it does and everything would evolve out, everything would come until he knew exactly where you were gonna be. That to me is much more interesting. So when I did mine, I did the single point ex you know, mm -hmm. explosion, yeah. you know, the Big Bang yeah. theory that we think maybe made life. Yeah. And I incorporated that into my gods. At first there was nothing and then there was everything and boom, I just pulled it in and then the gods just got blown out of that. You know, no one knows what came before that. Maybe I'll go back at some point and say what created the, the Big Bang, but really I can just shortcut to that. People not along and accept it and the gods just were there afterwards and then they create everything else. Yeah, and because of that, like in our world, we ask a lot of those questions because we want to know the answers. But in a fantasy sure. world, it's kind of like, all right, that's how it started. I don't need to ask yeah. those really tough questions of like, well, where in the world you know, jokingly world, like where, where did that come yeah. from? Like, how, yeah. how did that happen? Well, we don't need to know. We just know that this is how it happened and it goes from there. Yeah. Wait, so Aram, yeah. in your world, uh, it was a God who like created the big bang. Yes. That's what you just, maybe we much... don't know. Honestly, we don't know. There was a big bang. No one knows how it happened. So that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So you're the people of your world are, they have the knowledge of this big bang ish event. Yes. But they are unsure of how it was created. Or some people don't even consider a how. They don't really think in terms of a before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people do. You don't have to reveal if you if the answer is yes, but do you, yeah. Aram, as the creator of that world, even though the people in your world don't know the answer and the players maybe don't know the answer, do you have a definitive answer in your mind of, this is how it was done? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay, you already have it. Oh, like, yeah. Yep, I Absolutely. know exactly how it's done. And you're going to get an exclusive sneak peek here on the Dungeon Master's well, block. I didn't, yeah, I didn't say yeah, that to no, share. That's what he's not. definitely not going to. <laughs> he's shaking his head. Uh, no. I've been writing the game for three years. I mean, the majority of things I have answers to, there are obviously things that are still a little up in the air and things you have to leave up in the air because you're creating the game with your players. But as far as the core history and the core creation myths of, of this whole world slash universe everything I, i'm aware of everything there's there's not i'm not writing lost here i have answers you know what i mean hey yeah that chris show. and me both love lost i love it but you're right okay so let's talk about one that is very very familiar to us as lovers of fantasy many gods create the world there is a pantheon of gods and they come together and they create the world it's my favorite and it's and it's everyone's favorite for a reason i mean this is a, another one where you can gain a lot of real world religions that have creation accounts and and you can bring those in and gain a lot of inspiration the the japanese have one one god creates many gods and they create the islands of japan and they create the world the Aztecs have this fantastic creation story where there is one God that is ripped apart and each part of him creates different parts of the world. Yes. Like that's, that is very, very compelling to me. I want to play on a world that is a dead God that's been ripped apart because the other gods have said, it's time for punishment, man. You're, this is how we're punishing. But they create, they create something beautiful out of this, Awful punishment? That's really, really... <laughs> yeah, I mean, horrific, but beautiful. And it also ties into the brutality of the Aztec's religion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, if it's built on the corpse, it explains why they were so bloodthirsty and why it was so involved yeah. in their religion. So it ties together nicely. Yeah. And also, I mean, just 
Like, there's also really good modern examples. The Wicked and the Divine is a brilliant comic which takes so many creation myths from so many cultures and brings them into the modern day as living gods. The whole idea of the Wicked and the Divine is every hundred years, all these gods from all these, these different human myths are reborn in bodies, get to live three years and then die again, but are worshipped and known as gods while they are alive. It's fascinating to see all these different you know, religions mixing together in human form in these ideas. So yeah, you can do a lot with just backgrounds that exist that are written yeah. for you that you could adapt. Yeah, we can't go on without mentioning one of the reasons why D&D exists today, and that's Tolkien. Like, I know his book, The Silmarillion, is difficult to read, but if you difficult. are into, yeah, <laughs> if you are really, really compelled by this world-building aspect and you want to delve into the lore of that in your own world, I implore you, go read at least the first couple chapters of that book because Tolkien's yep. creation yeah, account totally. of his world is brilliant. You have all these number of gods and he like talking about poetic. Maybe maybe it's just me that I just like read it. And I'm just like, wow, this is I love this. But it's like they create the world through singing like the gods create singing yeah. and it describes them as each god had a different tone and pitch that they sung out and that created different things and different people. And oh, man. And then you have the yeah. evil god Morgoth, who uh, doesn't create, but takes already created things and twists them. And that's something I want to ask you guys about and like talk about with this whole idea of like many gods create the world. Because if many gods are creating the world, is it all the good gods and then the evil gods come later? Right. Or is it good and evil gods create the world together? Is it gods of order and chaos that create the world together? And what does that mean for your homebrew world? Does it mean that they for a time came together and said, we'll work together? We realize that there's a balance to the universe, and so right. we will create it. Or was the creation event of your world a war of the gods? Yep. And who won? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for, for mine, I thought a lot about that, actually. Yeah. And so my first gods were just raw elements, air, fire, earth, water. Mm -hmm. Those were the first four. And the other gods, I tried to have natural paths, paths forge off that. So the gods of air and fire created the sun. And the gods of water and earth created the moon, right? And the gods of earth, of the moon and water may have created the gods of gravity. So everything kind of forged off mostly sensible paths, right? Where I could see. So the gods of chaos and the gods of order were created out of the chaos and order that were from the gods being born. So I, everything has a bit of a natural path. And in, in fact, the god of order came about when the other gods were like, there's just too many gods, we need a god of order now. <laughs> so, you know, that I tried to have it all make sense in my world. Also, keeping in mind that every god is represented by a superpower in my world. So that also had to be, a, you know, a tight end. But honestly, it took me like three months. I, I scrapped my god tree a dozen times. Yeah. Because I realized it's just not working or it's too complicated or this doesn't make sense or I don't have enough or I have too many or whatever, you know. 36 ended up being just right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ours seem very similar because I started creating my world before I knew that God's Fall was around. And I did the same thing with with four main gods, but the ones that I have, like the air, earth, wind, and fire, they are actually the world. Like when they were done oh, creating, cool. they became a part of the world. So when people right. are walking on the earth, 
yeah. they're on the god Erdbaben. When they're in nice. the water, they're on the water, you know. So they're 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 experiencing the gods while they're on the world of Panthea. Kind yeah. of playing off of the word pantheism again, things like that. That's so, cool. So that's that's how I came up with it. And then other gods came later. So I'm like mixing the two categories we've kind of already talked about. And then out of those gods that created the world of Panthea, they then create the dwarves and the elves and trees and things like that. But it's a, I, I really like knowing where your world came from. And I'm like, I resonate with that because it's yeah. pretty similar to, to what I did. So I think it's interesting because I think we would all say that this is exactly where our world fits into many gods create the world. I know for, for Atos, I definitely did take inspiration from Tolkien's Silmarillion and Morgoth, especially sure. like I have in my world, it's, this it is almost like this war between the gods the creation of atos because you have this old sense of heaven is above and hell is below and so in the world of atos the gods of the good i say good with quotes around it pantheon because there are a lot of sure. neutral gods that are part of that it's just pretty much not evil gods are allowed in this and then you have a lot of rogue gods which they're called because they're gods that kind of just want to do their own thing they don't want to associate with the pantheon and the pantheon of good gods make a lot of mistakes on their own but they come to this weird world this weird plane that this is where dragons were and dragons had decimated this plane it's black ash and soot everywhere and they drive the dragons off including the dragon gods and they say let's create this place anew and they start creating the world from the top down the evil gods come along and they start creating the world from the bottom up and so oh, cool. evil rises from the bottom good comes down from the top and so i mean that's why the underdark in my world which i call the dark bellows is a place of awful awful awfulness because the the evil it's gods not a nice place much, yeah they no. had yeah chris you've you've had the uh, pleasure I played there. <laughs> of experiencing yeah. it. But yeah, like the evil gods had more control over it. And so, and I love that aspect of like the dualism of good and evil. And, but I also love sure, playing like around. And yang. Yeah, yeah. I also yeah. love playing around and saying, you know, the gods in Atos, like the good gods, they make plenty of mistakes themselves. And I like, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. So. I mean, there has to be a gray area. It just, it, it, it can't be the white, the white hats. And then the bad guys are like, yeah. hmm. And we yeah, shall right. have you. You know what I mean? It can't yeah. be that extreme. That leaves yeah. some bad role-playing opportunities if you go, I know what side is right. The world is completely black and white. This side's good. This side's bad. I know exactly how it's going to be. It's, it doesn't lead to a lot of good role-playing because when you come up to a god who's supposed to be in his essence good and a god of love and a god of peace and they make a mistake and they do something, it's like, oh, gosh. Right. What do I do here? Right. Especially if you're a paladin or such that like follows right. them. What, right. Like, what do I do uh, here? Like, or yeah, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, or if goodness forbid, an evil God does something. You're like, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> like that. Right. I yeah. Kinda yeah. I'm okay with practicality. that. Practicality. Yeah. yeah. Practicality can be plenty evil. Yeah. It can be plenty evil. Also, I mean, the God of love could be dumb. Yeah. Could be really, really yep. <laughs> dumb because love makes you dumb. Yep. You know, little things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Love, lo the yeah. god of love in your world could be blind, like, and not see how things literally blind or, yeah, completely or, blind. You know, <laughs> because love completely is blind. So they blind. don't see the truth in what the situation mm -hmm. is. The next way that a world can be created is that no gods create the world, but 
there are still gods in existence. Gods exist, but they're not the reason that the world exists. So, I mean, Aram, you brought up like, uh, and and you are holding it close to to your heart, the truth about yeah. the world of God's fall. Yeah. But that sense of like a big bang like event, like that could that could happen, and the gods might not have anything to do with it, or may not even have answers. Yeah, the gods may not know what happened, which in this case they don't. Maybe the gods do have answers, but they're answers that they have created to make themselves look sure. more powerful or the gods create a myth yeah, of their exactly. own because they need their own mythos to understand what happened now mine are all dead so <laughs> so you know problem solved right. but yeah i mean absolutely you could have things where the gods aren't aware of and one of the main the main reasons we all use multiple gods is because they're not omnipotent they only they have x amount of knowledge it may be a lot of knowledge but they don't have all knowledge so the gods can be ignorant of things and i think that really helps tell a story from a human level where people can understand it and actually relate to it. I know we talked before about the Aztec religion and how the world mm -hmm. was created by splitting apart a god, but the world could have been a dead god and it wasn't created by the gods themselves. It's just a god died and thus a world was born, yeah. which leads to an interesting question of, so does that mean every time a god dies, a world is born? It's another world born. Yeah. Yeah. And if if it wasn't caused by a god, are gods to a point mortal then? Like, there's a whole lot of questions right. you can pull from that, and you don't need to answer, which is the beauty of, of creation myths is you just have, like, this story, and yeah, it's, like, this right. beautiful story, and it, it brings up so many questions. You're like, I want to know. And the best part about being the DM in the creative of the world is you can know, <laughs> but you don't have to tell everybody. You can know. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> If universes die, then gods can die. I mean, nothing is truly immortal mm -hmm. when you really think about it. We think about immortal, but it doesn't really make any sense. So yeah, of course gods could die. What would happen to that energy? Because energy can't be destroyed. So where does that go? What happens to it? Absolutely. I like tying in gods to some reality. I like having some mechanical, some actuality make sense beneath them. I think that helps to really ground them and tie them in, into yeah. your world. I think it helps with the believability of the world. Like it makes yeah. it almost real enough that people can buy into it at a different level than just being like, this is crazy. Like right. it's, it, I mean, you can, you can buy into it to a certain level, but when there's a little bit of like that element of reality thrown in, it's like, huh, mm -hmm. now you're resonating with me personally because this is something that i know is real and yet at still at the same time it's in a fantasy setting so is it real like yeah i just buy into it a little bit more that or way. just feels real when we had secret stones in our world from an early on just these stones that will glow when magic is present it's yeah part of the world it grounds it it makes it feel more real it also is an ever-present threat because if you have magic you're sought out in this world so it, it just gives this nice little element of you know tangibility to the right. world i suppose right. yeah yeah i think one of my favorite ways that you could have there be no gods that create the world but there still be gods in existence is pulled from a lot of real world religions and i don't know if there's a term for these things but if there is i don't know it but what i call them is i call them cosmic creatures and so you have like in norse mythology you have the wolf fenrir who's going to come back and destroy the world yeah. in, in greek creation myth you have this giant bird named nyx who lays an egg and half of that egg builds up and turns into the earth and half of that egg 
turns into the sky and then later the gods create living things on this place but like i love that idea i believe that the hindu religion talks about a giant snake these cosmic creatures that especially like in norse religion like these gods are saying uh this wolf is gonna come back and kill us this is ragnarok we're all gonna die right all of us nothing you can do what like there's wait and and for people to go in your world to go wait there's something bigger than gods that will kill these gods all the gods i love all the the idea of cosmic creatures i love it yeah, yeah totally. then you have maybe the gods and the humans banding together to fight this thing when it comes back, and it could create this whole, like, role-playing moment. like Crazy level 20 campaign. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, where you are fighting alongside the gods to defeat whatever creature is finding their way back to destroy whatever they started. Because right. the Beyonder's on his way, and we all yeah. got to team up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. right. Yeah, and then yeah. you have, like, good and evil on the same team, because it's like, if we don't band together, we might not right. agree in our ideologies of how right. we operate. Right. But we need but to get over ourselves. Oblivion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, right. So right. let's get together. Yeah. 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 That's a really cool idea with the cosmic creatures out there. That's I like that a lot. Yeah. And you need to hit a certain level. I mean, God's Fall's got an end date. I'm looking at five seasons. Maybe six tops. And a movie? Yeah, six seasons <laughs> and a movie. There's a, no, oh. you know what? You know what? Someone, people ask me this, like, wouldn't God's Fall make a great TV show? And I say, no. And the reason why it wouldn't is because look at Game of Thrones budget, okay? Right. Now add the Avengers budget on top of that. I've got superheroes <laughs> in a fantasy magic setting. There's not enough money in the world to justify making this live action. It would have to be a cartoon. But anyways, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump off to the um, side. But yeah, I love the idea of giant, powerful, other, you know, things that truly seem otherworldly yeah. that are so big and so powerful that they can simply walk through planets. Yeah, that's something that you can't understand on a planetary level. That goes beyond that. And that gets to be a real interesting threat. Basically a Phoenix Force type of, mm-hmm. you know, entity yeah. that's coming for the, uh, you know, for the entire planet. I like that idea. Yeah. Probably at level 18, 19, <laughs> right. 20 threat, but I like the I like the idea. Well, I think too, yeah. if this is the way that you go with the creation of your world, what if this cosmic creature left some part of it behind on their world? Like, sure. if it is a if it's a creature with a paw, what if there is this giant comet-like impact on your world? that is paw shaped. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't sure. know if that sounds silly. To, I, I think to most yeah. people that sounds silly, but go along with the, the idea of like, what is the impact that this cosmic creature left behind? It's, it's sign, whether sure. it's on purpose or not. Like there's, there's a lot of things you could pull out of it. There's a gigantic mountain in your world, the tallest, sharpest mountain of all of them. And all it is, is a calcified talent. Yeah. Left yeah. over from the bird like, of yeah. creation, you know, or if there's a cosmic snake, did they shed their skin before leaving and that skin is left behind? Like there's so many things you could do. Right. And did that become a desert? Yeah. You know, I love the idea of the snake, but like, cause especially cause Chris hates snake, but Chris, uh, this cosmic <laughs> snake creates this world and then lays eggs. And these eggs in a couple thousand years will hatch and they devour the world. And that's what this, this cosmic snake does. 
you have a story right there that's impending doom for your world. Yeah, and for absolutely. me, because I hate that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awful. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I like the idea of them leaving behind. Like, you might say it's silly, but at the same time, you can almost write that silliness into your world where you could say, people find this really silly. Like, it's just a crater in yeah. the middle of this place. Or it's just a mount. Like, people it's, laugh at it. It looks like a talon. It feels like it's it's an it's an oddity in this world. Until that creature starts coming back or there's some sort right. of moment where the character makes its presence known. And then everybody's like, Oh my gosh, this was actually real the whole time. And then having to, you know, repent to the gods for making fun of them saying, Hey, sorry, we made, you know, sure. all that. There, there's so, so many fun things say, that could be done with yeah. it. Yeah. So the other way that you could do it, I mean, we're talking about no gods already, but you could do it so much further where no gods create the world at all. Mm -hmm. And there are no gods. Yeah. There are zero gods whatsoever. And I think that lends itself to maybe people are grasping for something in your world. And so they have all of these religions with these gods that they've made up, but they really don't do anything. All of these temples that you see are really all just for show. Like the yeah. magic that's, you know, you could have magic in your world or it could just be this thing where magic is just sleight of hand and illusionary mm -hmm. things. The especially the divine magic that they say that they're calling sure. upon. Like it's the kind of weeping statue thing we see nowadays. Like right. someone like like someone saw Mother Mary in an underpass, so everyone shows up and puts candles around it. But maybe one person in this world has real magic. Yeah. Right? right. So there's all of a sudden one little spark of real magic and everyone flips the out and yeah. it upends every religion. Yeah. yeah. Or or all these gods that people have, have created, all of a sudden, all of them start coming to life. All the myths start coming true all at once. You know that could be really interesting. Yeah, as maybe well. maybe the the magic is produced by people believing in them, and once no. there's enough of that being pooled in one area, that god actually comes to life in the cosmos somehow. And how do the faithful react to their own creation? Right. Yeah. yeah. It, that's an interesting way to put it. Like. How does that God operate then? Like, is he thankful for the people that created him? Do the people right. then feel like the God owes them something? Right. You did know, you do the right thing. Yeah. Like, did you like, make a oh, vengeful God? Was that, that a mistake? So you know? interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No gods doesn't mean there aren't other things out there. Like, we can still go with that cosmic creature idea of like, there's, there's sure. a creature that creates it. They could just be a natural part of the evolution of the universe. In a world that there there are no gods in your homebrew world, that doesn't mean that your world doesn't have gods in the sense that people haven't created these ideas of God, haven't built big monuments to these gods that they say this is the person that has created the world. The question mm -hmm. that really I think as the DM and the creator of the world, if you're working in a D&D &D sense, you have to delve into there is then you have to ask yourself, what about paladins? What about clerics? What about priests? Mm -hmm. What about divine where magic? Where does their power come yeah, from? Where does that power yeah. come from? Is it just an offshoot of the arcane? Uh, because it, uh, divine magic does work differently than arcane. It's about prayer rather than it yeah. is about saying yeah. the right words and making the right... Well, uh, is it about prayer or is it about belief? Yeah, that's true. Because there's this really that's interesting true. idea I was reading where... There is no connection to those gods. Hmm. The magic is purely powered by your own belief. And you can believe in whatever you want as long as you believe, but it's all gotta be, you gotta buy into it. And the second you're aware of it, then it goes away. But as long as you're buying into it, it's your own belief that creates this magic. And it's all just this shell game we're playing with each other. And that could be really I love that idea. And it also just made me yeah. think of the idea of like with Santa, like you just got to believe and the sleigh will fly. You just got 
I believe, and it, and it works. Yeah. Enough people believe in him, and he works. There's enough kids out there, and there's enough younger kids who believe, even when the older kids fall away. So Santa's real. Yeah. And that's interesting because what is like what does the history of your world go from then? Does the belief become more and more, and so divine magic becomes more and more powerful, or does it completely die off, and then it? Mm -hmm. Did people people stop believing? So yeah, is it about the individual and their belief, or is it about the belief of the masses too? It's an an, an interesting take. It gives a different meaning to conversion at that point for those religions that you're talking about in this world, because it's going to make the zealous people even more zealous because they're sure. looking to make their god more powerful because Plus they, they know. Yeah, they have proof of their faith, instant right. proof, right yep. there. Yep, I can cast a light spell, just a light spell would convert half the planet. Yeah. Right now, in this day and age, one light spell, half the planet. Well, Atheism's I mean, they might gone. blame it on Hollywood or something like that, you know, but... Yeah, if I could do it, though, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? If I, can, yeah. you know, if, if I can go learn a cantrip, if I can shut the door from 10 feet away, I'm religious now. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I mean, that's what would happen. It would be insane. Yeah. It would be insane. Yeah. One of the things I did as far as belief, the reason my whole world was imploded in Giants God's War is because there was this one city that became so powerful and so impressive that people kind of turned a little away from the gods and really started to be like, mm, aren't we impressive? Look how powerful we are and started to kind of self-worship. And that bore the first god of man. And that set all the balance off. Giant God's War destroyed the whole planet because it was this first god of the mortal realm. And that wasn't part of the deal. So, yeah, I kind of played with that aspect as, as well, that clearly the mortals and the power of their belief can create whole new gods. That's really And cool. break the rules. Right. We're past talking about gods for the most part. That time is done, but we're still talking about the creation of your homebrew world. So another way that a world can be created is that gods haven't created it, natural causes haven't created it, but mortals have created the world. That can mean a whole bunch of different things. What do you guys think of when I say, this is a fantasy world that mortals have created it? And don't say, well, gods can be mortals. <laughs> no cop out answers. Yeah. No, I just have this weird image of like, millions of dwarves yeah. like assembling a planet brick by brick like it's the Death Star. I just thought yeah. I was thinking and of Death Star the like whole time. weaving in trees <laughs> and yeah, I just I just I just see all these little humanoids all over the planet assembling it a little mm -hmm. bit at a, at a time and little water nymphs bringing in the oceans and I don't know. I mean, it could be like that. Yeah. Like maybe a portal opens and they come through and build another world. Yeah. Well, I think there there lies a huge question of if mortals create the world, especially if they're natives to that world, if they're the ones that live on that world, well, where did they come from? Where is what is their origin story? You sure. we need to know that. We need to like know where why did they create the world? Yeah. Are they running away from something? Are they just able to do this? They are world builders that they can create different worlds, but there's a there's a huge story there. Right. Are they like those white or like those white things from that really bad aliens prequel? <laughs> right? Do they just yeah. go around yeah, making yeah. worlds yeah. by disintegrating themselves in a waterfall? I like that alien prequel. <laughs> well, don't they, don't let me go on about yeah. that movie. I will I will right, yell right. for we hours. Won't, we won't. We won't. No, but, but yeah, it's like where would they like where would they uh, come from? But you could just do Puddle Lagoon natural evolution. 
you know, along with it. And then you could be in the next puddle over, there was magic. You know, I mean, it could be like that. Yeah. Or it could be divine intervention from some other thing. Aliens came down and brought the first magic. Aliens came down yeah. and birthed the first thing, whatever, you know, or they directed humanity and that's why we've got pyramids. Right, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it done really well where aliens get involved with fantasy, but it could be done. It could be done really yeah. well, especially at higher levels, I think. Yeah, I think you could also have, like, if you had all of the mortals coming from different planes originally and they, like, discover magic, how to get to this new plane, and there's, like, nothing there and they're all yeah. bringing elements from their yeah. own plane over here. They have like magic that helps them breathe in a vacuum or what, you know, however right. you want to do it. Right. Or you just make it so that there's naturally oxygen there for them to breathe, but they're all bringing in these elements and like they're popping up here and there, you know, maybe the dwarves start with building it brick by brick and then the elves come in and it's like, oh, you guys have already started this. Well, right. let's help you expand on this type of thing. I think that could be a really interesting way to do it too. Technology of a sufficient level will appear to be magic. Right. It could just be a technology. There could be this incredibly, incredibly advanced tech, and that's being used to shape this world. And it, there's just a logic that it follows at a certain point. And once you realize that it's just a level of technology, you can manipulate it, et cetera, and so on. I mean, there's so yeah. many ways you can play with it. Aram, you brought up aliens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you said, you know, aliens. what if aliens yeah. create, yeah. <laughs> what if, therefore aliens. What if you create a world that's been created by aliens? Mm -hmm. I think there's a very, very distinct point we have to make here that if aliens have created the world, then we're not talking about the natives of that world. They're right. not yes. living there anymore. True. Because if they are the natives, then they are not aliens. Right. <laughs> the natives of the world could have the tools from the aliens, yeah. or they could just create their own tools. You're right. They could yeah. just evolve to the point where they created magic. You know, where something they did birthed magic or just their belief when you get enough of them in one place and then magic. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. So if aliens created the world and they're not the natives of the world, right. then where are they? Right. Do they where still did have they contact? Go? Yeah. Why did they create this world? And then leave. Are they this world's gods? Right. But they're not really gods. They're just weird squid-headed aliens hmm. <laughs> that come and yeah. demand that you sacrifice yeah. a couple people every year to them so they can eat your brains. Hmm. Right. They're <laughs> jerks, but they're aliens. Yeah. Another example, I think, would also just, I mean, wizards, of course, mm -hmm. like extreme magic users. Yep. To the point where, like, but what does that look like? Is it a wizard who's reach the point of his power level is godlike and he can create once you cast a lightning bolt you're godlike see that's <laughs> what people forget they forget right. how influential this would be on yes. the world they just say and then magic and then they just think of it in a bubble and life goes on the first time the first time someone could cast lesser restoration the world mm -hmm. has been upended. We're talking about being able to replace limbs, something we cannot do now with our current level of technology. You have to upend your world when those things are possible. When life and death doesn't matter anymore, as long as you got enough diamonds, you have to change things. One of my favorite comic books and one of my favorite 
comic book movies is Watchmen. Totally. Yeah. There's this end to Watchmen with Dr. Manhattan. If you haven't seen or read Watchmen, skip ahead for like a minute. Spoilers. Uh, but it's been out for a while. Uh, Come on. <laughs> it's been out for a while. This doesn't really give much away. But so Dr. Manhattan at the end of the movie says to Lori, he says, I'm leaving. I'm going to another universe. And then he leaves with with saying, maybe I'll create some life. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Which I love in the sense of like, okay, let's talk about this in a wizard sense. A wizard gets so powerful that he's able to do that. I mean, wizards, uh, even low-level wizards, to some degree, depending on how summoning works and everything, you might be able to even say, they kind of can in a little bit of an aspect. But like, what if that gets so powerful? They create little teeny universes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So a wizard goes and he says, I'm going to create a world. And that's how this world comes to fruition. Not by a god, but by a powerful mortal that mm -hmm. had this understanding, maybe this talent or just this skill that has been developed of holding this arcane energy and being able to manipulate it. Or... Is it a council of wizards? Sure. Is it 3,000 wizards sure. that go, let's create a world together? A, a world. Yeah. What if it's, what if it's like a, uh, this, you know, the pilgrims came over to America <laughs> sure. for religious freedoms. What if like wizards in one world are hated on because of their magic? But let's create a world where we cannot be hated on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, let's get into the Mayflower, which is a astral ship, yeah. and let's go to another yeah. place and create a a promised land for ourselves. That's a I like that. <laughs> it's time to rewrite Otto's history. No. In any universe where any amount of people can create a new one, right? It, it goes to logic that they can create more than exists. So if there's one real one and they can create one, then they can create two. So they can obviously create more than exists in reality. And this is the problem we're running into with this idea of virtual reality, right? Because there's this theory where if we can create a virtual reality that would seem completely real on all levels, there's gonna be a limit to it, right? But on all levels, for the most point, if this world can seem real, and if we can create one, then we can create multiple ones. And if that's true, then we should be in one because the chance goes up higher and higher that our reality isn't real because if there's all these multiple realities that can exist then more than likely we're in a false reality so you so if you can create multiple realities where are you are you in yeah. the real real or are you in the other real you know and is it real just because it's not the first real <laughs> you know so you can really go down the rabbit's hole on that one yeah that's a lot of reallys right in a row. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> real, real, real. We can go, and we real, can go real, super real. inception on this. They only went yeah, right. three. Let's go twenty-seven layers. Down. Yeah. Well, I mean, I Let's looked, and really my top is still spinning, so that means I'm in limbo, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking at the top, you're looking at the wrong thing. But, but we uh, have well, now, let's keep going. We have now ruined three movies. We've ruined three movies. <laughs> Look at the ring, people. Look at the wedding ring. Yep. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> So we've talked about a lot of ways that your world can be created. Now, I think an important aspect of this that we we have talked a little bit about is that you as the as the creator of your world, you can have the truth in your mind of, well, this is how it was really creative. But that doesn't mean that creation stories aren't going to pop up all around your world, different ones. Oh, yeah. Maybe they'll take the same one, and it's like they you have this people group who goes, yes, this is the story, and this people group who goes, yeah, that's the story, but you have this one element completely wrong, yeah. and they, they disagree on it. And that's something you need to, if you want to make a real world, a world that feels real, 
you need multiple origin stories of the world. Absolutely. The elves should have different. a different idea than yeah. the dwarves should have a different idea than these people should have a different idea. Absolutely. Different cultures, different races, different religions. And you know what? The best thing would be to have it be just like, you know, a couple gods sat around and were like, you want to make a world? Yeah, sure. And then all the belief structures are like these flowery, amazing things. But really, mm -hmm. it was just a couple gods got drunk <laughs> around a table and decided to yeah. knock something out. On the out. count of yeah. three, yeah. we're going to clap. One, and two, it's water. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, think, I think with the multiple origin stories, too, like that helps create those conflicts that potentially happen between cultures in your world too. Like Absolutely. you, you know, you have the elves who think their God was the main contributor of it. And you have, you know, the classic elven dwarvish, you know, squabble. You yeah. have the, you have the dwarf who thinks their God is more powerful and they were created first. And so you have these bloody wars over who in the world was created first, you know, right. pretty exactly. trivial things, but each person holds that on a higher platform than the other. So there's going to be conflicts because you of these fight over potential something. multiple origin stories. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have this brilliant idea that I really want to implement into my world of this university that has debates going on for this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, have Borash. He's <laughs> on the side of Grumsh created the world. And yeah. so he's up there pounding his fists on the podium going, Grumsh take one eye, rip out, and create world. And then you have on the other side, you have a priest of Pelor. And he's like, no, no, you are <laughs> wrong. It was Pelor that created the sun and the world. And, this, and you have like this debate and you have the audience clapping. <laughs> Person. That'd be no one would have seen your eye, Grumgish, without the light of Pelor. Yeah, you know, you can just do that all day. Absolutely. Yeah. I will put one of those in in a heartbeat. <laughs> so let's talk about, we've talked about keeping the origin a secret, Aram. You're keeping, for now at least, the, the true origin yes. of God's Fall a secret shrouded in mystery how do we do that as creators of worlds why do we do that what is the purpose of not just explaining what it is what do we gain from that what do our players gain from that? in this case when you have a podcast you want your audience but you also want your players to imagine it's fantasy you want them to fill in blanks on their own you want them to go oh what's there oh what's just beyond that ridge the void what's that what could be there and you want to give them little hints and little bits of background but you want them to explore in their own mind you want them to let it live and let it feel real and let it still feel a tad unexplored and I think that that's why we do it, because we want it to feel like a place where you can go explore. Yeah, it adds that little extra mystery to it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, Mitch, like, I, I think with the, I mean, the reason we're doing the voyage on the Ending Sea that we're doing now is because people want to know, is the world round or flat? You it's been yeah. a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. wouldn't, like, that's been a question one of our players has had for a really long time, is, yep. is the world round or flat? Yep. It's something that's been enshrouded in mystery. It's not so let's go necessarily the whole origin story, but it's yeah. a portion of it that people don't know. So us as players are constantly intrigued and constantly having to talk other members of the ship into still going to find out if this yeah. is round or flat. You might because, not like the answer, but we can go find yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> because we as players want to know. <laughs> and that's my yeah. favorite part is I, I like, it's not my favorite part that I know the answer because I'm like, ha ha ha, I know and you don't, yeah. you idiots. Yes, it's like, that's like, not the point. Of course I know the answer, I created it. But I love hearing, I love asking you guys, like, what do you guys think? Mm -hmm. what, are, what are you, and like the theories about, you know, flat, round, whatever, uh, 
the world, like the gods, whatever topic we're talking about, it's when the players are giving me all their thoughts and they're, I think it's this. Or, you know, and, and my that. favorite thing is when players pick up on clues that I've dropped. Yes, even if they've dropped in like the second episode, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they give me something that's either real or false. Yeah, and sometimes that's even better. It's like they they're they're picking up on a clue, but they're going in a whole different direction. Oh, I'll change things. I'll be like, oh, that's better. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they, they haven't been clues. I've just right. said something, and right. they're like, oh my gosh, that's such a clue. I can't wait to. I know exactly what it is. Now. Right, exactly. She's secretly the witch, and I'm like, she's just a <laughs> melon vendor. But okay, let's go with this. <laughs> no. You know? Yeah. Whose melons yeah. cost a ridiculously large amount if i remember that was such a fun character i like that character so much i can't wait to play her again you stole my melons yeah Yeah. she was doing this my favorite if you give all the answers and the story away right away there's no story i mean there's no interest anymore about it no it's got to be a little bit but you better have answers if you if yes. you invoke mystery, you better have something. So that you can drop clues mm-hmm. and you can have the truth behind it yep. that you can allow players to kind of take pieces and go, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, totally. That is a huge, huge proponent. I think all of us would be proponents to saying, yeah, have there be mystery around the truth of your world's origin. Absolutely. And, and having those multiple origin stories gives mystery. I mean, there's mystery around our world. You know what I mean? I mean, we have all the tech we could possibly imagine right now. There's mist- There's tons of mystery around our world. We're no closer than they are to solving this. Frankly, if there are gods, they have a lot closer answers than we do. Yeah. You know, but there still needs to be mystery. <laughs> well, I mean, even when you look at the ocean itself, like... Yeah having explored a percent of it and I mean out in space not even having touched even a percent of you know what's out there it's like there's so much mystery out there yeah we have no idea whatsoever and it's so much left to explore so imagine where they are in their world with their limited abilities they barely barely have telescopes they got magic but they barely have telescopes they got spy glasses but unless your character is really good at it it's still not going to help you (laughs) right exactly it really isn't one last thing one last thing we want to talk about before we wrap this up this is one of the most interesting things here so we'll leave you with this thought the creation of this world what if it is what everybody believes the world is a lie it's mm. not what it seems. Yeah. There are so many things you can pull from this. I mean, I think of The Matrix. Yep. <laughs> the Matrix is a huge example of mm-hmm. the world is not what it seems. It's a lie. I There's this there's this great Rick and Morty episode where Rick creates a world. Yes. With yes, it, yes, that's, yes. That's just for building energy. It's this it's this tiny world. What and a it's great just show. for like, it's basically like a generator. Yeah. And it's brilliant. the people in this world all think he's the god and then they create a world within their world for energy but it's like what if the world is a lie yeah it's not really the world that you think it is totally and most things are that way not necessarily a lie they're just misunderstood maybe and you got it wrong you know kind of right but wrong yeah no i mean the way if if there's a big chunk of mystery then more than likely someone has something wrong Right. So it would be a bit of a quote unquote lie. We talked about the Aztec religion. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts about that and inspiration from that is that uh, the Aztecs believed that the earth that we live on right now was not the first earth. It was the fifth time that the gods created Earth. By ripping another person apart? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about if if that was how it was created every single time. Right. Or if maybe they just wiped it and then recreated with the same 
the same body or whatever, but it was the fifth time that the world had been destroyed and then recreated. What if that's the truth behind your world? This is the fifth time. I mean, the Matrix yeah. is like that. It's yeah. Yeah. A the seventh time, time or something and, like that. Yeah. 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 And can we break this cycle? Do the gods care so little that they're like, ah, it messed up again. <laughs> Destroy it. Create another one. Like maybe the gods are trapped in the cycle. Maybe yeah, the creation of the universe put them into a cycle that they can't break out of. Maybe the creation of the universe was to escape the death of another, and that's locked them into a spiral. I mean, it could be multiple things. Yeah. Ooh, what if what if the evil gods were trying to destroy the world mm. because the good gods keep on rebuilding and destroying and wiping the planet, and so they're just like, no, just just put an end to it. It's the only way the good gods have to continue everything. They have to keep looping yeah. it, and the bad gods keep finding a way to destroy it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the evil gods are actually not trying to destroy the world. They're trying to liberate the world and kill the evil gods right. so that the world can be free of being destroyed over and over again. And when your players learn that, finally, yeah. that's a game changer. That's a crazy world lore. It's the it's the chaos versus order idea as opposed to good versus evil. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, well, so now I want to, now, now I want to use all these ideas. <laughs> right, I know. And that's, and that's the beauty. We're giving you guys, the listeners, some fantastic ideas. Uh, take them and make your own spin to them. Totally. Take them and go, what is my story here? Like, I've got this idea, and I like this idea. I want to take this idea. But what is your story that you want to tell with that one idea and make it your own, make it your own world, make people look at your world. Cause there are really, there's so much that's been done already. What is making your world different? So Aram, yes. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. We really appreciate yeah, you joining you. us. This has been fantastic. We have a lot of great information that we've, we've talked about. We had a great time. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, if they want to contact you about world building tips, if they want to ask you more about God's Fall, if they want to berate you for the truth of the origin <laughs> of God's Fall's world, where can they reach you at? Uh, well, they can go to godsfall.com if they want to check out all of our maps and all of our episodes. I would highly suggest that we have a lot of really good notes and some wonderful fan art there. If they want to keep current with us, they can follow us on Twitter at GodsFallDC. And if you want to email me any questions or anything about the show, you can do so at GodsFallDC at gmail.com. So thank you so much, Rob, for being on. Thank you again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Again, it's full circle wholeness, guys. You, you guys got me into it. I love your show. I found it incredibly rewarding. There's a bit you. in our world where, I don't know if you guys caught it, but the elves put mud on the characters that actually ended up being tracking mud because they scraped the mud huh. off them in this ritual and the characters thought it was to relax them, but they were then end up scattering <laughs> this dried mud into a scrying pool yeah. to track their every movements. I got that idea directly from you guys with a you, slight yeah, little you twist. Did. So yeah, yeah you did. I was pretty <laughs> happy about that. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. So thank you for that. This has been an absolute pleasure, Ron. Yeah. And we would love to have you back sometime. So thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you soon. Awesome, guys. So that's what we have for you on this edition of the Dungeon Master's Block. We covered a lot of stuff, and there was a lot of good ideas in there that you can very easily take slash steal, whatever you want to call it, and place into your origin story for your world. Whether it's no gods a part of the world, multiple gods, one gods where a ton of gods come in afterwards, or 
Is your world even real? Is it just a lie that's in somebody's head? You never know what you're going to get. So please feel free to take those and run with them. And we want to thank Aram for coming on and giving us a, a wealth of knowledge that he has because he's gone through and had to write this for an actual play podcast. So if you want to get in touch with us and send us your origin stories or possibly some ideas that you have for that, you can send us your emails at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And you can also go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. All of the five-star reviews that we get help people know that we're actually a legit podcast worth listening to. So head on over there and leave a review there as well. You can also find us on Stitcher or Podcast Addict or any of your other favorite podcasting apps that are out there. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. If you want updates about the show, that's the place that you want to go. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. <laughs> I really hope you planned that because if not, that was I did awesome. not plan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. We have a Patreon dragon today and our Patreon <laughs> dragon is Greg. Greg. Just Greg. That's all. Just That's Greg. all we got from him. Greg is a dreaded silver dragon. Yes. So you see him around the forums or on the Patreon posting things wherever he is. Give him a hearty DMB blockhead welcome. Yes. And listening to any bonus pods that we have up on our Patreon page, which is available to anyone bronze dragon and up, which there is a bonus pod linked to this very episode where that is the very three true. of us... Me, Chris, and Aram got to talk a little bit about storytelling in a role-playing game sense. So go and listen to that right now if you are any level of Patreon Dragon. But thank you so much, Greg. You're the man or the dragon. So we hope that you come back for another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block in the future, the place where we talk about the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the players at the table. Have a great night, everyone. Keep on dungeon mastering and keep on building worlds. Goodbye.